0: With the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works in giving you a boner. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Besides from me reading this. It's made in the U.S. of A. America. And... Since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. You can visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we'd like to thank them for sponsoring this train wreck of a podcast. All
1: right, everybody. Welcome to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. This one is free because of Blue Chew. You just heard Kevin tell you about it. It's amazing. Uh, Andrew, we had a 1,000 people download the Sheldon Rankin's Breaking News Podcast. And we do not have a 1,000 patrons. So people... You need to sign up so you can get this podcast free. Sign up for $10. You get all the podcasts every day and you get Andrew's grades, which we are discussing today. Andrew, I want to I just want about- to point
2: out also that when that news hit, I was outside of the grocery store and I <laughs> dropped everything. I dropped the shopping to take that phone call. So that's my commitment to this podcast. That's my commitment to you. That's my commitment to the patrons. You know, we're making this happen. All right? We're yeah. dropping everything in life. Yeah, we dro- We dropped it. We go outside. <laughs>
1: we make it. We make it happen. And look. Make it
2: happen, baby. Just I'll make it be happen. honest.
1: Andrew, one of the reasons he's here is his jokes are amazing. But he knows what the PUP is, the injured reserve, when you can come on, when you can come off. And now that Nick Underhill is fucking covering the Patriots, man, you need people like Andrew that can explain the PUP list to us. You know? And that's what you get. So... I want to start with Drew Brees. And look, I think he looked amazing Saturday, right? And we laughed on the on the big show, and we laughed about people saying he's going to decline and blah, blah, blah. But specifically, what did you see Saturday that maybe al- alleviated your concerns or was different than what you saw from him the last – 4 to 5 weeks of 2018 and into the playoffs.
2: Well, you know, let me preface by saying that I think it's difficult to evaluate a preseason game like this because there's really no consequence other than maybe breezes ego or whatever. There's really no consequence to throwing an interception. So what I think you saw is Breeze. I mean, I thought they scripted some nice plays to Camara yeah. that were very safe throws and especially on that one where he was wide open down the sideline. Breeze made a great throw on the run on the money uh, to kind of maximize that play. But I think there were some easy scripted throws. The two throws, the Michael Thomas in particular, though, you know, you start to wonder, does he throw that in the third quarter of a playoff game? Those are you when you asked me to compare. Maybe he doesn't try try those throws because they're risky. And, you know, turnovers, especially at that stage, when you're that close to the Super Bowl, Um, They count double or whatever, whereas like throwing a pick, I mean, I just think he has the luxury on the opening drive of a preseason game to maybe take a little bit more risk. But I think what that was useful for was letting Breeze know that when he takes risks, a lot of times the ball is so accurate because of how good he is. And Michael Thomas in tight coverage is so good that he's going to come up with that football and he's going to make that play that it was a nice reminder to him and everybody else that. Hey, Drew, you can make those throws and and it's going to turn into positive plays, even though it's really risky. And yeah. I think whereas like you don't see Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater making those throws because they don't trust the receiver, they don't trust their accuracy. Um, and, you know, that's not a criticism on them as much as no one's as accurate as Drew Brees, literally like he's the most accurate quarterback of all time. Um, but. I just think at the end of the day, what you saw from Breeze was a guy that looks healthy, pushing the ball down the field, feeling confident in his chemistry with his receivers. The location of the ball was perfect, and that's Breeze at his best because Breeze at his best operates in small windows. You know, their their NFL has very small windows where you can fit the ball, and you yeah. know, I always go back to what Zach Strief said on this podcast. He throws guys open.
1: Yeah, and the one thing that I, I, I that I found interesting, and then we'll get on to other players is. You know, we you said it in 2013. You know, you said, look, the Saints offense, it goes through Sproles and it goes through Jimmy Graham. And we all know that it sort of does that with Michael Thomas and Kamara. But yeah. I look at them and I think potentially if they continue to struggle at wide receiver and Jared Cook sort of isn't what we hoped for and people that paid $182 for him in a fantasy draft, if he's not what they expect <laughs> – <laughs> then the Michael Thomas and Kamara getting the ball is sort of going to be – it's going to be on steroids, right? Like Drew Brees is yeah. – they're just going to feed That's what I like to call the Camara
2: thomas binge throwing. Yeah. Where Brees just starts to binge on those two playmakers.
1: Which – and, and you people might – they may say it's critical of it, but it can – like – it can work like it it'll be a it'll be a perfectly functioning very good offense it may not be unstoppable death star but it'll still be top 10 probably even top five so it's not a problem well
2: i mean that's that's all the saints really showed us on that drive yeah and i kind of like that because let's be honest everyone knows camara and thomas are very hard to stop and they know that they are focal points in this offense so the beauty of that drive is that the saints score breeze looks awesome and they really showed nothing. They really gave no wrinkles of what their <laughs> offense could be. Like, it was just like, I mean, it, it was just business as usual. And so we all see, like, every team that has tapes, like, oh, yep, there they go doing that again. And, oh, by the way, it's really hard to stop even though, you know, it's coming. But I, I, I thought that was really promising because we really haven't seen Breeze with Cook at all. Yep. We haven't seen, you know, if Deontay Harris makes this team. You know, we haven't seen what, like, gadget play they could cook up for him because you know Sean Payton's going to figure out some way to get him on the field at some point. You know, we haven't seen any of the Taysom Hill wrinkles really in this preseason in terms of what he looks like on the field with Breeze. So I just think <laughs> the fact that this offense is firing on all cylinders and we haven't even sprinkled in the wrinkles, we don't even know who the number three receiver is on this team. Um I get excited because I feel like Sean Payton, he's always going to cook some surprises. And to start this year, he is going to try some new things that we haven't seen before, add some wrinkles, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if any of that stuff well, takes. Because if it does, and Jared Cook is maybe exhibit A, but if any of this stuff takes, then the offense just becomes that much more difficult to stop. Well,
1: and there's a the thing that's that's that's. that's It's great about Sean Payton, but it can be frustrating times. But
0: overall, I think there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where
3: are you? Coming.
0: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card.
3: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it.
0: And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip.
3: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
1: It's a very positive thing is Sean Payton, as far as coaching offense he really likes to tinker. Like, he enjoys trying to cook up new stuff so he never gets stagnant, right? He's always cooking up yeah. weird, crazy stuff. And sometimes the crazy stuff, it goes boom and blows up in their face. But i rather him be that way and push the envelope than be like Mike McCarthy where, yeah, his offense was really cutting edge for, like, two or three years, but he just kept running the same shit. And eventually people were like, even though he had Aaron Rodgers, they on they're like, it, yeah. it got stagnant.
2: You know, well, I mean, I, the thing I remember most about Peyton is, you know, I, and this was, I think it was when Peter King was following him and he kind of detailed what it was like to spend a week with Sean Payton yeah. inside the locker room. And he, he basically said that there was an install they made on Tuesday where Sean Payton, this is like week eight, week, week eight of the season. Sean Payton hasn't thought or conjured up this play idea for eight weeks or ever in his career. And all of a sudden a coach comes up to him and he's like, hey, what if we did this? And I think it was like three quarterbacks having Bridgewater, yeah. Tishon Hill, and Breeze on the field at the same time. And he's like, can, can we do that? Is that allowed? And Sean Payton's like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. And by Sunday, <laughs> they came up with this idea on Tuesday. And by Sunday, they actually ran a play with it. And so, and it didn't work. I mean, it didn't really do anything. But the point there was that Sean Payton, like you, we view him as like this guy that's so calculated and he studies everything. But like, and that's definitely part of his deal. But then there's this whole thing where it's just like sometimes he's not afraid to try something that seems like a good idea on Tuesday and implement it Sunday. So he, he he's open to fresh ideas and stuff like that, which I think is really important yeah. in any business, really, and certainly in football. Um, and I, the other thing I thought was really interesting is part of Sean Payton's routine is that he studies the scoring place every week. Every week, like the first thing he does when Sunday is over is he'll review every single touchdown that was scored during the week. And then he'll or during the weekend, and then he'll say, "Okay." And then I'll look at, "Okay, how do these teams make big plays?" And he has stolen three or four of those plays yeah. over the course of a season because he's like, "I really like that play." So, um, that's the stuff. kind of coach. Yeah,
1: it's imitation is the best form of flattery. So the other thing that was interesting in this game, and in, in, in your grades when I read them and I was proofing them and we get them up on this on the, the for patrons on. Patreon is JT Gray had an A minus, and he's a guy that sort of snuck up on people. Not you last year, because you were watching the film last year, and you were like, "He's kicking ass on special teams." But like fan, normal fans like me who are just making jokes and drinking beers, we're like, hey, "JT Gray, what?" But like he is roll, he rolls on special teams to a degree where if they want to keep him, who does it push out of their? special teams only players.
2: Well, I think the beauty of making the team as a special teamer is that when you're not ready as a position player, it allows you the luxury to develop, right? Cause if you're being, if you're able to contribute on special teams and you're able to make the team, eventually you're maybe the light comes on. Whereas like maybe you would have been cut if you were just a position player, but being on special teams, being yep. in practice learning affords you the luxury and so what i think we're starting to see with jt gray and this was the thing that really caught my eye i mean we we knew that he was good on special teams that's why he made the team last year but i thought he had an exceptional game playing at safety uh his play recognition he looks bigger to me looks like he's added some muscle um i mean he's a fierce tackler we already knew that but uh, i just thought he looked very good at safety and so now you start to wonder like the saints can't keep everybody i mean when you look at justin hardy chris banjo and Saquon Hampton and, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and, uh, JT Gray. I mean, all the Taysom Hill, all these guys that are key core contributors on special teams, they can't keep all of them. And so when you start to think about free safety, if the saints believe that, Hey, JT Gray can be our backup free safety behind Marcus Williams. And if they feel comfortable about him being that guy, then all of a sudden does Chris Banjo become expendable because they need, we already know they're keeping, uh, Sheldon Rankin's on the active roster yep. for those first couple weeks. He may not play. And so they need a roster spot set. That's going to sacrifice someone. Some, and so when some. you look at JT Gray and he has a game like this, you start to think, man, is Chris Banjo in the bubble? Yeah. And look, you know, other teams, there's a there, – it, it, it's
1: weird in the NFL in that a, a player for the Saints and a player – for the Raiders. They can be the same exact fucking player. Exact ratings, exact everything. But the Saints player, if he gets cut, teams want him more. And it's weird, and I don't know why that is, but teams want players from winning teams. And Jt Gray is another guy. Well, you just said he's got the film now of looking pretty good at safety. So a team that needs a safety, they're just more likely to claim Saints players, Andrew, because the Saints are winning. And I, like you may argue, people may argue and say that's not true, but it is. Like it's like the what do they call it? The Patriot. They have the Patriot smell on them, and people just teams just want them, and it's weird. And I think he's a guy that it'll be it'll be interesting what they do. Uh, special teams wise, because they've started to invest in special teams more so than they have in the past. And even though they signed Chris Banjo to to an extension, like he's a guy they didn't give him that much money, he could be out the door.
2: Well, it's it's funny how it just seems like certain position groups always seem to benefit, like the Packers quarterback room. You know, whoever's in that room, I feel like people always want them, and so that's why guys like Brent Huntley they leave and they still find jobs, but. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the, the it's Saints, true. I think, you know, the Aaron Rodgers in, in there and Brett Favre before. And I think so that was true. part of the appeal with Taysom Hill is, hey, they've got a good backup to Aaron Rodgers, a guy they like. So they, they took the risk of trying to get Taysom Hill on the practice squad. Let's go get that guy because he's been in a, in a system with Mike McCarthy, who's regarded as a pretty good quarterback developer. He's been in the yeah. room with Aaron Rodgers. And so. Uh, You you know, and I, another example of that would be like the kickers in Baltimore, you know, where obviously Justin Tucker has the job on lockdown, but like the last two kickers they've had in preseason, Will Lutz, and then the other guy this year, they've both been acquired and end up being starters on other teams. So I think sometimes when a position group has success, and sometimes it's not even how good the team is, right? Sometimes really bad teams can have a lot of depth at one position. And so I think it's a faulty line of thinking. I feel like a lot of times Saints fans are like, well, why would the Saints pick up this guy from the Browns? The Browns are awful. If we're picking up players from the Browns, we must be even worse. But it's not like that. I mean, sometimes a defensive tackle that
1: can't – Craig Robertson was a perfectly good, solid backup linebacker, great on special team. He played with the Browns. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he did. Exactly. So. You know, and the Browns decided not to retain him because they felt like they had better linebackers. But at the time, the Saints were a better football team, but they weren't better at linebacker. And Robertson represented a significant upgrade over some of the backups they had. So anyway, I I think, uh, you know, going back to what we were originally saying, special teams is always the wild card at the at the bottom end of that 53 man roster where you just don't know between Banjo, Hardy. Um, Gray and, and all those guys really. who yeah. Who is jostling for position and what they can offer at other positions as backups factors into these decisions. Yeah. So the
1: last thing I want to talk about in the grades, uh, by the way, sign up during the year because once the year starts, the grades will be under lock and key. you got to pay $10 a month. But $10 a month, you get the koozie, the magnet, and the access to every podcast we do.
2: And if the screensaver.
1: And the screensaver. So, tight end. Garrett Griffin got hurt. He's on IR. A.J. Darby, uh, you gave a B. And Dan Arnold, you gave a B. Who is in the lead to get the third
2: tight end spot? Well, one thing I uh, explained in the grades that I think is interesting about Dan Arnold is that I almost don't view him as a competition to A.J. Darby, for example. Um, Because I just feel like he's not really a tight end. He's more of a slot receiver guy and he can line up at tight end but he's not really your blocking guy so I almost think guys like Emmanuel Butler and Keith Kirkwood are battling Dan Arnold for a spot more than the traditional third tight end and so the question becomes I think for Saints and this is all kind of the the Tetris of what does our 53 man roster look like it's do we envision our tight end do we do we like our run blocking Or are we kind of worried about a run blocking? So do we envision our third tight end being more Nick Easton and Will Clapp? Do we want to go more jumbo and have them off the edge? In which case, let's keep Dan Arnold and cut a guy like A.J. Derby because we feel like Arnold will give us a little bit more in the passing game and we want to leverage that. Whereas if they feel pretty good about their blocking and they're like, nah, you know what, Like we feel we're going to keep Butler and we're going to keep Kirkwood, we already have big target receivers. Let's cut Arnold and let's keep Derby who is more of like a versatile tight end that can give us some inline blocking. So there's a Tetris thing there and I don't have the exact answers. I personally think I would keep AJ Derby as my third tight end because I just feel like he offers you more flexibility. He's a guy that can inline block. He can catch a little bit. He can get down the seam. He's not as good as Dan Arnold catching the football and running routes, but at the end of the day, I haven't seen enough consistency from Arnold. I think I would maybe be swayed to keep Arnold over Derby if I felt like he was just too dominant a receiver to let go. But I think the Saints can get close to enough production out of Kirkwood or Emmanuel Butler. They kind of do the same things as big frame guys. So my gut says Arnold is on the outside looking in and Derby makes this team. Um, but that's a really close one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is why you want to pay for the grades. That kind of analysis from Andrew. He's going to grade every player every week the entire year. So this has been free because of Bluetooth, and we're trying to entice you people to sign up on Patreon. And we know there's a ton of you people who listen, but you don't pay for the daily podcast. So do it seven or ten dollars a month you get everything do it it's worth it it's one freaking meal at subway it's a latte and when the saints are going yolo at the trade deadline you're going to want this podcast and you're going to be so freaking happy that you spent the seven or ten dollars a month so for andrew i'm ralph uh we will see you tomorrow